a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. your continued support of our sponsors we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads click that amazon banner on pole mx to help us out and donate via patreon if it suits you and as always enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us original moto podcast featuring legends of the past stars of today season previews and race reviews introspection opinion facts and laughs here's your host steve mathis welcome everybody to the fly racing racer x podcast this is the dallas supercross review sweet jesus there's a lot to talk about right so let's get right into it. Thanks to Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Please check them out on the web. Blake Baggett, Justin Bogle, Ben LeMay, Teddy Parks team, privateers everywhere run and love Fly Racing. And the new Formula Helmet out is simply fantastic. Trust me, I love it. It's been, it's been a great thing uh, to have on my head lately. And it's really cool and it's really quiet and it's really light. Uh, so please check them out, fly, uh, flyracing.com. And uh, also to Maxis Tires. Maxis MXST AJ Cantonzaro running them right now out in Supercross, making a main event last week. Uh, developed by the King Jeremy McGrath, uh, they have all sizes, all sorts of different ones that you can use for your bike. Think about this Maxis tire as a brand new product from those guys that are serious about uh, getting a high quality tire out there. Also, two Alpine Stars Tech Ten, the most advanced boot in motocross today. I love the Tech Sevens, but the Tech Ten Tech Tens are pretty sweet. All new redesigns, some uh, better fitting ones, a little bit more flexibility in them, and uh, some new colors. Of course, they've got some uh, limited edition stuff coming out all the time from the folks at Alpine Stars. Alpine Stars protects. And uh, speaking of protection, we might need some at the end of this podcast. It goes deep, so let's get into uh, Dallas Supercross with Jason Wygat, Jason Thomas, right now. And now, as promised, to discuss everything that happened at uh, Dallas Supercross, which was a lot, by the way. On the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars from Racer X, the voice of motocross, the voice of Geneva Supercross, the voice of flat track, the voice of enduro cross, the voice of quad racing, the voice of perhaps e bike racing, Jason Wygant. Yeah. Lots to talk about. Dude, these have been some of the most dynamic weeks uh, in the history of Supercross on and off the track. I don't know if we can come up with. A better stretch of storylines um, combined with both points and finishes and winners, and then all this off-track drama. What is going on? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's plenty to talk about for sure. Also on the line from Fly Racing, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not much. It's uh, I will say one thing: these races are giving us lots to talk about, which I am very thankful for. Absolutely, and, and Wygant, congratulations again. No hotel room. Flew in Saturday morning. Didn't get one after the race. You had an early flight. Just just absolutely working that Ruth Chris bill back down. Yeah, I went to work on it immediately, the very next race, doing my part. I was actually kind of mad because we had people at the race running our subscription booth, and I asked if they could pick me up at the airport, and they said, get your own car. So that was 28 wasted dollars uh, for one day, so I'm a little mad about that. Mm-hmm. 
But, uh, you know, I'm doing what I can. As you said, I'm like a little ant stacking on my anthill again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that's what it is. You're just, someone came over, knocked over your anthill, and you have to put each dirt particle back to build this hill again. What was great is my only sleep that I was going to get was on the plane and uh, get on the plane, 5 a.m. flight, and fall asleep. Uh, wake up to them saying we have to deboard, and I look at my watch, and two and a half hours have passed. So what? apparently <laughs> we were sitting on the tarmac for two and a half hours, which was just extra sleep. What was the problem? Then, what was going on? I, does anyone know what a first officer is? I don't know what that is, but they yeah. could not get a first officer. That, that's what they said. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what that is. Next to the what is that? You got to sit next to the captain. Okay. Well, they they couldn't get a first officer. Just the, it's up. just the co-pilot. That's all it is. But they oh. but they had one, but he must have timed out. I guess I don't know. But what was the delay well, on the runway? He shouldn't, have, he shouldn't have timed out that early though, because it would be the first flight in the morning. Well, that's, that's, what 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 else could it be? I, I don't. Well, they he didn't show up probably. I think he probably did. It's a five a.m. flight. He probably just slept in. Oh, yeah. so you were never on the yeah. tarmac. You were you never did. We Close never the door. left the gate. Right. You know, okay, you made it sound like you were I didn't show up. boarded and all that, yes. Well, I, I mean, I was boarded. I was sitting there on the plane with my seatbelt on. Yeah, door was not closed, though. Okay, uh, so. I have no idea. And right. uh, the only, um, these 5 a.m. flights are pretty brutal, so there's not the typical, you know, a lot of these flights, I feel like half of the people are motocross people. The only other person on the flight that I knew was our buddy Seth Rowe, Seth Rarick. And I already had my phone on airplane mode, and I'm asleep. And then I turn it on, and I just get all these texts from him, like, "What is going on?" Like people must have been losing their minds. Yeah, sitting in that plane for two and a half hours, going nowhere. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I, that's insane. So, well, again, you're working, you're grinding away. So, yep, stacking it up. Um, lots to talk about. Uh, again, Feld brought in some lawyers to have a meeting with the riders, uh, as well as the media. Not lawyers. A lawyer. Not a lawyer. He was not a lawyer. He wasn't a lawyer? I thought he was felt. Oh, I forgot. You came in 10 minutes late. The very first thing he said is, I am not a lawyer. Oh, okay. I thought he was. All right. <laughs> the main the point they wanted to make is we are not bringing lawyers into this. Ah, okay. So yeah. who was that guy? He's a lobbyist. Lobby? I mean, I don't know what yeah. people think of lobbyists, but right. the point is I think both the riders and Feld have been pretty clear these last two weeks. Like, we're trying to avoid any sort of legal ramifications, it's either the Lyme thing or the CBD thing. So right. really, he's a lobbyist, I think, is what the best way. So, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah I was late to the meeting. I, I, um, yeah. So CBD oil, uh, Chad came up and um, had the uh, sticker on in Minneapolis. They let him run it. Of course, we know about the Dean Wilson controversy. And the meeting um, basically was like, ah, Chad, you can't do this. Um, it's not legal yet everywhere. NBC has a practice against showing it. And the AMA, of course, issued a bulletin late last week about it. So... Yeah, we're at a standstill, and I mean, I I kind of understand the point. I, it's it's um, I think in a year, weed it'll be legal everywhere, but for now, it's not. And Chad actually wasn't that pissed after the race. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there's two points that I learned from talking to the their whatever the official title is, like their public affairs person, which is that's essentially a lobbyist. Um, I know that people are listening to this right now and saying, it is legal in 50 states. I know, Steve, as you like to say, we got weed experts everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yep. It is true that a farm bill was signed by the president. So now the process begins of, okay, these things have been made legal. How do we go about it? How is it sold? How is it advertised? How is it labeled? What is the cost? How is it taxed? All of these things now begin the process, and they lost some time with the government shutdown. And he said, look, 
There's even a 30-day public comment period in these things. And then after that, the government's super slow. It could be nine months, 12 months before they get this straightened out. So while it is true that the farm bill was signed, it doesn't mean that everybody knows exactly what to do. And their fear is, since there are no rules yet on how this can be advertised, can it be or can it not be, they don't know. Nobody wants to be the guinea pig that gets busted. So the only move they can make is no move. Yeah. So that's point number one. And point number two is do not confuse them saying you can use the product, that it's not on the water list, it's not banned, go ahead and use it. Cell does, doesn't have any opinion on the product being good or bad. That's not the point. You can use it all you want. You just can't advertise it. The whole thing is about advertising. But I think that part's getting a little confused also. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and I mean, it's, as much as it would be great to have them in the sport and have some money in it, I, I understand it. I, I get it. Um, you know, I asked about the – X Games and the the logos that were on there, and they were like, "Yeah, that must be a network decision by ABC, uh, or you know, ESPN is owned by yeah, ABC." Or they said that maybe they're getting federally uh, slapped down by the regulators for showing that on TV. So there, you know, there is that side of it. People are going to say, "Well, what about the X Games?" Because I guess CBD MD was on the X Games on different riders. So, so that that's their answer to that. Um, NBC just says, "No way, not going to do it." So yeah. Uh, been a been an interesting couple of weeks for the guys that fell, JT. Yeah, you hate it because this sport desperately needs that outside money, um, and that's a viable way to bring in money. It, it's found money for the whole sport, so I get it on the rider side. You know, for Chad, I, it's frustrating, and I for Dino obviously too. Um, D, I think Dino's is quite a bit more complicated uh, because of the cannabis side, but I hope that this gets resolved sooner than later. So, yeah, the, the sport would be much healthier with, you know, the interjection or injection of money like this. Um, I, I'm not, I've never used the product before. I don't really ha- even have an opinion on it. I kind of don't care. Uh, but I can tell you that a lot of these teams and riders are hurting for money. So, you know, if we can find a somewhat uh, innocent way to change that, mm-hmm. so be it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting going forward. Um, all right, um, three things to cover you guys tell me what you want to do because I got a lot of opinions on all of them. Uh, Cooper Webb's race, Eli Tomac's race, or Tyler Bauer's disqualification. JT, where do you want to start? Uh, your choice. I'm, I'm good with all of them. I, they're all great topics. He, he can't even – he waffles on that. J- Weed, he waffles <laughs> on that. He can't even have an opinion your about show. which topic to start. Um, Let, let's start with let's start with Webb and Roxon last lap. Let's start with the most racing, you know – thing we well we can. the closest With the super- closest race in supercross history Let's oh really really yeah the closest supercross race in in, in history oh, here we go okay all right, all right. yeah perfect great <laughs> unfortunately we don't have the freaking stats that go back that far we don't even have tomac being credited with any laps led uh before san diego the triple crown never happened and now these goofballs only have stats that go back 10 years or 15 years but it's a super close to supercross race in history give me a break it's like when they didn't it's like when the nationals didn't count 500 nationals as wins like, they legitimately did not count those 500 nationals as, as, as national wins. So I get it. We don't have stats to go that far, but stop throwing around the history things. The Fell guys throw around history because it goes to 2007 for them. Like that's, uh, You are so off when you say that. 1997, sorry. 1997. That's their history. Like, dude. Yeah, that has nothing to do with why they you, – you always say that that's the reason they do it. They only go to when the current ownership, which is not even true, because if you go back to 97, I think there's been five different owners since then. 
But that's when that's the AMA. There are no stats. There that's, is literally nothing. There is no documentation of margin of victory whatsoever via the that's, AMA. So why is this fine. the owners only wanted to promote themselves and when they owned it? That's fine. I get it. Don't say it's in history. Just say in this many years because you don't know. We didn't keep t- yeah. stats. We don't have yeah. stats. It's ridiculous. It's unfortunate. Uh, yep. The AMA, you know, doesn't doesn't have these things. But stop dropping yeah. this. Four riders within two points for the first time in history. The closest race in history. You don't. Well, that know. part is true. Because we do have point standings. You can just look at Cycle News. So that's well, what's true. That was just something I pulled out of the air. But, they, yeah. Okay. Just, good, good move. You know, just we don't have the stats back then. So we don't know. But it was an amazing race. It was freaking incredible. Um, so Webb, was he seventh after lap one? Like, this could be it. This this could be it. This is, this, this is very much a a turning point in the series Weech, I think like it was an incredible race he's done it he's won these races however you want to win them or whatever you want to do Cooper Webb has four wins no one else has more than one and he's got the red plate and this could be it yeah I agree um and I think we try not to brag on this show a lot but we've watched a lot of races we've analyzed a lot of races and to a layman, it might be very easy to say, dude, he won by maybe or maybe not the closest margin ever, and he has, what, like a two-point lead? Like, yes, based on that, he's not dominating. He, he, you could say he barely won, and you could say he barely has the points lead, but we've been around long enough to know this is often how these things go. And you've been hinting, I feel like, all season, Steve, like as close as it has been, like, we know how this works. Somebody goes on a run. Somebody goes on a run. Somebody goes on a run. Every year starts close, and most years somebody dominates. So we all know better than to fall for the it's going to be close all the way down to Vegas. More often than not, something happens, something flips, something trips. So we're looking for those clues, and this is a pretty good one uh, right now. We could be wrong, but this feels like more than whatever the heck. What has he got, a two-point lead or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because only because we've seen this type of thing. Like you could just go back to last year. Like when Anderson won that race in Oakland, it was unbelievably close and exciting and great. And at that point, the points were close. But now you can look back and be like, "Yep, that race kind of stamped it." Dude, what else do you um, want? Do you want this he, he just he dropped Marv, he dropped Baggett, he got Kenny, you know, uh, past Eli. What well, else he you want? Eli when he was on the ground, yeah. but we'll get to Eli. But, but, <laughs> Eli's situation was even worse. What else uh, do you want yeah. from this guy, right, to JT, to to show that you know he can take this thing and run with it? It was a phenomenal race by Cooper Webb. It was. I really think the only reason where you've been so reluctant to just stamp it that he's the guy right now is the past two seasons. If if you could wipe off. 2017 and 2018 struggles on the Yamaha, you know, whatever was going on there, whether bike situation, trainer, I don't know, doesn't matter. But if you could wipe that away and just go to him leaving the 250 class and coming into this season, we'd be like, oh, yeah, it's just another 250 champion that's turning pro and going to be, you know, great. And that's where my hesitations come in. It's just because I've, I've sat through two seasons of struggling, and now it's, you know, within a month we're supposed to completely change the narrative. But we're getting there. Like, I don't know where else to go with it other than, yeah, okay, I just forget about the last two years. This is the same guy we saw, you know, uh, on a 250. Because that's really what he's doing. Well, this is, this is going to be something else for his confidence. He was, oh. you know, seventh or eighth or whatever, and, and just it was an amazing race. Busted up the quad. 
Jeez, right behind Roxon. <laughs> like, did anyone do that quad until then? Uh, Barsha did it in the Barsha. LCQ. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. But um, but he didn't do it at any point really, until no. It, it really yeah. wasn't that big of a. It really wasn't that big of a deal to jump it. The landing was super small. It was more of just like that's pretty cool. Like it didn't really change anything, but it was cool to see. You know, I, I think if you took any of the top guys and said, "Hey, you have to jump this," they could have jumped it because the the penalty for coming up short or anything wasn't really a big deal. But I think it's just a sign of that confidence that Steve's talking about. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no, you, I, I agree with that. I'm just saying, yeah, it wasn't Stu like where it's like, oh my god, oh, no, that is insane. It was just kind of cool to see, no doubt. No, it's just the comfort of like, whatever I need to do, I can just do it. And we've seen this, like you said, with Cooper before in the 250s. And remember, Steve, what race he referenced as the one that convinced him, I will eventually figure this out. And it's that he beat Hurlings and caught him straight up at that Charlotte GP. Like, you do that once, and you're like, I know I'm good. I I will figure this out. And it's the same kind of thing. Like, the good Cooper Webb we saw in the 250 class just had an ability to just pull shit out of his ass and make it happen when he needed to make it happen. And he's clearly got that rolling again. It's going to be hard to stop. I mean, I know we're talking about Roxon and Tomac and Marvin. We're talking really good riders, and they're, none of them are hurt, and they're still good, and they're still on good teams. But we've just seen this thing happen enough where it's getting a little scary now. He's got four wins, man. Four to seven. <laughs> yeah. One more than half the races. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Like, wow. Um, are you still sticking with Anderson, Weege? <laughs> yeah, you, but that's not fair. You're not supposed to switch. I don't understand. Okay. Stick with it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I might be I might be jumping over to to Cooper Webb. I mean, this is this is yeah. this is a ride that breaks other racers uh or gives the rider tons of confidence or changes things. It was that impressive, you know, and uh I think the one saving grace here for everybody else is that I think we know Kenny's not one to be trifled with. Like that probably would crush a lot of dudes. And I'm sure it stung Kenny pretty bad, but you know, no, he's I th- not lacking in confidence in himself, so probably he's better equipped to deal with this than no, most. Yeah, Kenny no. was not the guy I was talking about. I was talking more of the 25 yeah. and the 3, you know? Yeah, like, I'm like with you. That, yeah. Those guys, um, and we'll get to them. But why yeah. did why did Roxon go so high, JT, in the last turn? I wrote about this today, too, and I had to really analyze it and kind of think through the scenarios that Kenny could, you know, execute in that last corner. So coming through the whoops, and honestly, the, the corner before, I think, was even more important. Uh, the corner before the whoops, um, Kenny was honestly choosing the wrong line. Cooper was killing him by turning down, getting into a smoother rut, and he was he was really accelerating much harder than Kenny was able to coming into the whoops. So he was, he was almost running into the back of him. So Kenny can feel him there. You know, you can hear him and feel him right behind you going through the whoops. Uh, so he's going into that final corner. I think what he was scared of is that if he decides to turn down early, which mm-hmm. is what everybody's like, why didn't you take the inside? You know, that's the easy answer, which everybody's just, you know, defaulting to. And, and I understand that. But if Kenny does that and he turns down into the tightest rut, if Cooper at that time fully commits to going in hard to make contact, they're going to hit really hard in both crash and maybe hurt somebody. So I think Kenny was like, if I go in really hard and rail all the way around the top, with the way these ruts are formed, Cooper's going to have to jump across maybe three, four, five ruts to get to me. And I don't know if he can get there in time for me to be able to sneak by. 
So I think it was a combination of I don't want to turn down early because he he might hit me so hard that he breaks my hand or something, which we've seen happen. Uh, Stu and Chad Reed in 2010, that happened at Phoenix. Um, so I think it was a, a protective move and also a I don't think he can cross five ruts that are super deep and beat me to the point. Uh, yeah. So obviously it didn't work, but it almost worked. I mean, it's not like Cooper went in there and smashed him in your your standard technique block pass. He, he really didn't no, even Coop, get to him. Coop, Coop, I don't want to say he settled for a second, but I think Coop was like, hey, he didn't sell himself out for the win. Coop did not sell himself yeah, out it, for the win. Right, he, and he, he kind of couldn't get there. You know, it yeah. almost worked. It, yeah. You know, it was really hard to cross all those ruts and make the block pass, and, and I think that's what Kenny planned. I just I think in his mind he's like, there's no way he can get that far to the outside of the corner to block well, me. He, uh, unfortunately, I think he also checked up fearing contact, and that that's what cost him. If he had just yeah. committed and said, if he if he hits me, he hits me, but I'm going for, I'm going to execute the turn the best I can. Yeah, he, I think he wins the race. He screwed that turn up. He screwed the turn up before two laps in a row. You know, he yeah. made mistakes in that last in the left hander. So. Man, why again? He has got to be. I mean, he put on a brave face after the race and everything, but he has got to be. Just wondering what the hell's going on. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like this is becoming like a movie script of what's it going to take to get this win? You know, how many times has he had the victory? And you think, okay, he surely he's gotten as close as he's ever going to get now, and next time he'll get it. Did we really think that? Okay, possibly, maybe possibly the closest win ever. I don't want to say it is anymore. But did we know there was another stage of defeat for Kenny coming? Like, okay, you almost got it here. You almost got it there. Or Shugel was ripped away with, like, two laps to go by Eli. Or Triple Crown, you lost on the last lap away. But that it would end up another close second place, maybe record close. Like, geez. I think, hey, JT, let me throw this one at you. Kenny alluded to in the press conference, and we've seen this before, like he's not a guy that likes to jump whoops. And the whoops this year have turned into jumpers a lot. Um. So I think he was struggling in the whoops, and he was worried about it. And I think everything he was doing to me was like, I've just got to try to get through the whoops as good as I can. So I'm going to try to be on the outside going in, and I'm not going to cut down at the end of the whoop. I'm going to hit the last whoop as fast as I can. If that means I'm going outside, I'm going outside. That's part of what I think. Like, he couldn't mess around in the whoops. He had to do them as well as possible because he knows that jumping through them when they're broken down is not his specialty. He'd rather skim. Is that possible? Yeah, it's, I think it's possible. It's also a good point that to make the inside of the corner, you really have to slow down at, on the last loop. Yeah. If, if you're web and you don't care about going fast the rest, of, you know, the rest of the track on that last lap, all you care about is trying to get in front of Kenny. When Kenny slows down for that last loop to cut inside, it opens the door wide open. All, Kenny has to, or all Cooper has to do is just aim for the inside of the apex of the corner, and, and he's – He's going to make contact, no doubt, but it, it really opens the opportunity up. Where I think, going back to the, you know, the previous question, I think if Kenny's like, if I race through here as fast as possible and just go everything I've got to the outside of the berm, there's no way Cooper can beat me there. There's, it's just impossible. And, and he was almost right. Like we said, it, he really couldn't get to the ideal place to execute a block pass. Um, you know, Kenny just kind of screwed up the rut. Great yeah, way. and the reason I bring that up is because I hate when people just say they left the door open, they left the door open. Like, the way whoops and bull berms are designed is that it is a game of chess, and there is no perfect strategy, and that's what makes it awesome. Like, there is no simple 
just don't leave the door open and it is impossible no. to be passed. You, you like, can... it doesn't, you can't do that, and that's why bowl turns are great. Yep. So I just hate when people are like, why are these guys dumb enough to leave the door open? Well, there's five different things he could have done, and there's five different things Cooper could have done. Yeah, and you can't block all five things. Right. Yep, you, get, you, you, pick, a, you pick a strategy. Yeah. Inside, inside rut, very inside, rail, use your normal line, and you try to each figure it out, right? The guy in front yeah, and the guy behind. That's, so That's cool. Um, yeah. It, it's The crazy thing The crazy thing is that if Kenny just hits the corner correctly, he wins. Yep. Hundred percent. He 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 screwed yep. it up. Yep. He let off yep. at, on the entry on the exit too. It's just like, what are you doing? Um, yep. This thing might be over, guys. Like we might we might we might not have to do any pods anymore. Are you? Do you <laughs> feel like you're being victim of the moment even a little bit? No. That no. was that was impressive. Wow! Really? No. Impressive. That was impressive. <laughs> He's got four wins. It's. He, I mean, he he is on fire right now. But I just, man, I've seen, how many times have we seen Tomac just kill everybody and he doesn't win the championship? Like, I, I, there's no way I'm willing to say this thing is over or it was, I mean, I guess if you want to say it was a turning point, maybe. But when you look at the points, it's still so tight. Like, how can you write anybody off? We're not even halfway yet. I think it's over. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) I I just, that was really good. And he's got four wins in seven races. Yeah, no doubt. It has the signs of, if he wins the title at the end of the year, we can easily look back and be like, yep, yep, that's, that's when it happened. But, JT, you're right. This does not guarantee. I'll, I'll just ride the middle ground here. But yeah, okay. Just, we've just, seen these well, signs before. And I, just, I don't want this to come off as I am not giving Cooper You haven't embraced it. You haven't embraced but, it like no, you need I, to. I, but I, I'm not going to <laughs> hand over the championship at I, round I get seven. it. I get it, but you have not embraced this thing. No, I, I after last night he deserves all the credit. You, he every, deserves every he deserves an I embrace. <laughs> yes, I just don't think you can give him the title when everybody's still within like five points and it's round set round. We're going into round eight. Oh, this, like, I just don't. I don't think you can do that. This weekend's huge for for a lot of guys. But um, how can it even be that big? It's just halfway. Like I, I still like this series is so. I think we forget how long this is, and one bad weekend can completely change. All of that talk. All right. Well, um, so Tomac leading the race. My bet to win at that point, probably most everybody's bet to win at that point, and washes the front end out. Rocks and passes him. Actually, catches and passes him. Good job for Kenny. Rode well and and washed the front end out. And do we have any answers on what happened? Wage? Do we know anything? No, I attempted to find out a couple times because uh, Cowie did bring Savachi to the press conference, which I applaud them for. And I was like, hey, while we're here, uh, <laughs> any parts hanging off of Eli's bike? And like, we, could we quickly just say that its front brake lever fell off? Anything obvious? And they're like, no, not yet. And I went over to the truck, you know, an hour or so later after the press conference, and they still didn't have any answers. You know, this would have been easily solved. It's happened a few times with Eli where it's like, well, his front brake was broken. You know what I mean? Uh, no smoking guns like that, which is not a good sign. No. Uh, this is unfortunately something we've seen before. I mean, JT, it was bizarre. It was He was still jumping everything, so like no flat tire, you know, this and that. But 
I mean, I don't know what was going on. I don't know what was going on. I, I just, it was not but good. Haven't, haven't we seen this before, though? Yes. Yes. That's, he so, yeah, like, loses I, it. I don't get it. As weird as it is, it's not something we haven't already experienced, so it's just kind of more of the same. I mean, New Jersey 2017 is the obvious one. Uh, that summer when he ended up winning the title narrowly over Marvin and Blake, uh, we saw rides that were just very puzzling, head scratching, nothing wrong, but just not the EY we're used to. Uh, so it's, yeah, I don't have an answer for you. It doesn't give us any, any closure to it. It's just another instance of you're just like, kind of what the hell are you doing out there? Like you're so you're right. You're capable of riding so much better than this. It's not like you're half a second off and you're just not, you're not, you're not sticking with Webb and those guys going to the front. I mean, he's going straight backwards. You know, multiple seconds to lap slower than he should be going. Do you hear that? I hear it. Oh boy. I mean, what? I hear it. I think it's. I think it's fair. Like you know, the championship. The championship's not out of you know out of grasp. It's only sixteen points. But the the bigger picture is that you can't have rides like that where there is seemingly no reason for you to go from what well, I don't know a place you got in got up in maybe fifth. And he just consistently went backwards. Uh, seventh, from there. seventh. That he was doesn't make se- any sense. Yeah, he was in seventh. But uh, dude, it was bad. But think about how many points. Okay, most guys in that scenario, if you're normal Eli Tomac and you get up in seventh and you're fine, like he seemed like he was fine, you're probably going to catch back up to I don't know, maybe win second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever you want to you know want to say. Not go backwards, right? So you're talking about a. 10-point swing at minimum? He's, think about how valuable those 10 points 16, could be. He's 16 back. No, I'm saying, but think about in April, how yeah, valuable yeah. in the last couple of years, how valuable 10 points have been for him. I, I want to know what the hell happened. Like, he washed the front end, okay, you know, you're second. Was he already jacked up because Roxon caught him past him? Why would that make a rider who's won multiple championships freak out? Like, big deal, Kenny's on, you're not. Or you're not, you're not. Kenny's on. You're still riding well. It's okay. You wash the front end out. It's okay. It's okay. Like, I don't get that part. Like, it's not like he had a massive crash that could have spooked him or, or you know, he got away lucky or anything. It was just a simple front end wash. You just got to pick the bike up, get going, get up to fifth, like you said, JT, and and move on to Detroit. It was bizarre, man. We were watching it right in front of us. Jeez. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird deal. I, we've been asking this question for years now, and they're, they're, we're not any closer to an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, I don't know, yeah. dude. I, I, I don't know. But I don't, think, I don't think the Cowie guys do either. No. That's, uh, it's got to be think how much more invested in this thing than they, they are than everybody else. And it's got to be so frustrating to watch because you're watching him ride and it's not like, okay, if clutch lever's broken off and he's just trying to get some points or he's hurt. And it's just like, man, he's, he's toughing it out. You just see him riding. He's doing all the jumps. He's just going a lot slower than he should be going. It doesn't, doesn't really make any sense. Uh, I cannot think of any parallels to this. You know, if this ends up being the things that end up defining Eli Tomac's career, which we keep thinking there's going to be the year where this stops happening and then it no longer does, but if this is just the pattern that never gets broken, I can't think of anything like this. Like, 
there have been guys that are fast and then crash, but no, he, he they, it was it's not that. It's this isn't James Stewart style or Damon Bradshaw style. This is something totally different. He has four championships. He knows how to yeah, win yeah. championships. He knows how to yeah. hold points yeah. leads. He know how he knows how to uh, save your your you know uh, ride well on your on your bad days like salvage fit like he knows all that he has four championships and it's not that oh he's always undone because every year he tries to do something crazy balls and or tries to take somebody out or like he washed the front end out and then he lost the ability to ride like I cannot think of someone at his level no that I've seen this happen to no it has to be just mental it has to be there is no other possible explanation for it it has to be just mentally yeah. he loses his composure and can't you know he, he just can't get past it he, he, it overwhelms him yeah. on some level that there is no other possibility in my mind Matt, so you're just waiting for the leaked photo from someone at cali on like monday morning of the broken part is that <laughs> all we have left to cling to i don't i, I mean if i'm if i'm brian Kranz, i'm breaking apart <laughs> And setting that photo out, I'm I'm breaking I, I'm I'm taking the valve the one cam out of the motor and being like he lost the cam, he lost the camshaft. Oh, really? like, oh. It was it was amazing. I don't know, dude. I'm staging like you know like a massive photo op. I just and I'm sending to all the media. I just I I don't know, man. <clears throat> like take one fork off and be like, yeah, dude, he only had one fork. Didn't you guys see it? So, um. Muskan and Baggett rode well. JT, they, you know, they were in the mix. They were charging forward. The last, you know, probably the last seven, eight for Blake, and the last five for Marv. They, they didn't have it anymore. Uh, Coop rode away from them, and, and you know, and caught and caught rocks. And, and both of those guys, I thought at one point, hey, this could be a KTM sweep. Like they might all get Roxon. You know, um, they were riding that well. So, didn't happen. But, I mean, I yeah, I was, uh, I wasn't that. I don't think it was something that was that much of a negative. I think it was more Cooper's ride was unbelievable. Uh, but I was, I was very impressed by Kenny's ability to pick the pace up. Yeah. Uh, okay. He got second. Yeah. We talked about that already, but laps, let's say 15 through 19, he picked his pace up a lot and he, he withstood everything that Cooper had kind of brought. And I was like, man, that's really impressive for him to pick the pace up and respond because most people can't do that, especially that late in the race. It's unfortunate that on paper it didn't matter, but I think it, it should be mentioned how great of a response he had uh, to fight off and try to get that first win. You could, you could see how bad he wanted to get that win Yeah, because he was just like, I'll just go faster then. That's fine. You're going fast. I'm going to go fast too. And let's go. And, and they rode away from Marvin. I mean, to put 10 seconds into Marvin. The, um, um, so yeah, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to matter, but it was still a great ride. Getting back to Tomac, by the way, this is a big weekend for him. Do you agree, JT? This is huge. It, it is. You know, if, if he goes out and has another poor performance, you know, I think it's, going to really be tough to rebound from. I don't think he has to win. Uh, I think beating Webb would be a big step, and just being on the podium to stay relevant in the, in the title chase is really important. Um, if, he go, if he goes out there and gets, you know, fifth or eighth or something, yeah, I mean, you're going 25 points down at that yeah. point. It's going to be really difficult, but a win would be obviously huge, uh, but just, just getting the points lead back down a little bit is light at the end of the tunnel and, and kind of changes your outlook on the whole deal. Savachi rode well again, Weege, getting a fifth. Joey's been Joey's been pretty good. And he came to the press conference. 
He came to the press conference. Yeah, I know this has only affects a handful of people, and we're probably, so we're probably overstating how important this is. There's only about half a dozen or ten of us that even make a living doing motocross media, but we've been imploring these riders and teams to come to the press conference even if they don't finish on the podium. We still care about them. We still think they had interesting stories to tell even if they get fourth or fifth or twelfth. Uh, and it finally happened. I mean, Joey's been riding great all yeah, year. He yep. deserves some press. Yep. He he should uh, soak it up because, honestly, dude, the guy's taken a beating the last few years, and many people were questioning that he shouldn't even have that ride. You cannot possibly question that now. He's no. been good. He's totally earned yep. his spot. And I even said, I'm like, hey, are you looking at these other rookies because you've been the best guy? Zach hasn't even raced. Uh, Hill's had his problems. Uh and you've beaten Plessinger in most of the races. And he even said, he's like, yeah, I knew Osborne was coming. There was a... He doesn't really hold a huge grudge from that thing two years ago, but he, he didn't want to get beat by Osborne, and he didn't. So he's doing well. He came to the press conference. He deserves to tell a story. Kudos to Kawasaki and, yeah, and Joey for coming. He's riding well, absolutely. Uh, Seeley oh, yeah. won a heat. That was cool to see, JT. Good to see Seeley win a heat. Sixth in the main. He rode well all night. Uh, that was a good job by Cole. He was, he was good all day. In practice, too? Yeah. Yeah, he needed that. Um, it's been rough and tumble for him lately, just little stupid mistakes that are, are ruining his, his night. Um, yeah, but that was a great bounce-back ride. Fought off the pressure and the heat to, to get the win. Um, yeah, so I, I think the more – it's just been the story of the season. These guys are all really good and all capable of running up there. Uh, so, yeah, six was good in the main event. He fought off – Barsha was coming at the end, and he held strong. So, yeah, personally, I was happy to see it. So, Zacho comes back. What's the absolute worst case scenario for Zach OJT? No, worst case scenario would be re-injuring himself, obviously, severely. But yeah, it was it was the one thing that if I could tell him anything advice-wise, it would be just finish the race. You mm-hmm. don't have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to blow our minds. You don't have to. You know, you've got you're walking your deals. Like everyone, we're believers at this point. You don't have to go out and, and prove anything in this first race. Just do the 21 minutes so the motos get easier and the main, event, main events get easier as we move forward. And, yeah, I know he got caught up in the heat of the moment and saw Tomac right in front of him and pushed too hard. And, yeah, it was just – I know we all, we all talked about it, and I'm sure he had it in the back of his mind too. He just wanted to get through this one. But, man, he just, he just, I think he just let the adrenaline and excitement get the best of him. A lot of pulp fantasy people also not happy. I was one of them. Before. I was one of them. Uh, but up until then, he qualified fourth. He looked pretty good. His, obviously, he fell in the heat. He had to work his way up from way back in the heat. Um, we didn't learn a lot about him um, that we didn't know. or that He didn't surprise me at all. I thought he would be solid. He was solid. He wasn't mm-hmm. balls out fast, and he wasn't terrible. I just, I yeah, we'll, we'll move on to Atlanta and find out more, I guess. But, uh, yeah. Detroit. Detroit's first. Sorry, but... Detroit. Um, yeah. Triple Crown, by the way, too. I just found that out last week. Yeah, anyway, I love this. Um, so, yeah, uh, Osborne was all right. So, Barsha had to go to the LCQ because uh, the Bear, Tyler Bowers, absolutely cleaned him out. And then the Bear gets disqualified. And I'm like, wait, what <laughs> happened? Like, did the Bear maul someone? Did the Bear freak out? What happened in the tunnel? What happened in the pits? Because although that pass was bad, uh, we see those a lot, and but according to Tyler, and I couldn't get a hold of John Gallagher today. I tried before the podcast. According to Bowers, nothing happened, just the pass. There was no, you know, fist fight or anything going on in the tunnel. 
to or back in the truck to make him get disqualified. And if that's the well, case, and, and there was a post by Tyler uh, a couple. This is on. We're recording this on Sunday uh, a couple hours ago. That he was saying something about screaming and uh, cross jumping across lanes and stuff. I couldn't really follow it, but it sounded like they were telling him that there was more to it than just the takeout. Did, did anybody else see oh, that? See, I I read it, JT, and maybe I need to read it again. I did. I read that that it was Barsha was doing that to him, and no one saw that part. Uh, okay. Okay, got it. And then that could be the case. I, I so that's why he did that, story. because Barsha was yelling okay. and screaming and cross-rutting him or whatever, and again, I didn't see any of that. But okay. that's how okay. I took his post to read. But um, And so Tyler, today, and I saw it on other places on social media, the Oldenburg pass on Troll, I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And, and I, I, I'm baffled, and we don't know anything on Sunday night. How, how did he get up to disqualified why again how do you disqualify somebody like that i'm cool with that if you want it was a dirty move it doesn't belong in supercross but now you need to disqualify everyone mitchell oldenburg right away yeah that's the whole thing like there's just such a small precedent or is there there's virtually no precedent for a dq over something like that and we can all name passes that are at least in the realm like you can make and i've seen the comparison with that in oldenburg and you can split hairs and say Oldenburg maybe was still trying to turn a little bit more, but the passes are within 10% of sameness. You know, it's close enough. So to say that oh, yeah. one is a straight DQ and one is no penalty whatsoever, uh, and the difference yeah, is minute, I, and we can all probably at the top of our heads come up with a dozen more gnarly hits like that that didn't uh, – well, everyone like Josh Grant tuned up Mookie. I'm just throwing one out there right now. Like, this shit happens all the time. And to think that most of them result in no penalty whatsoever, and this is a DQ immediately, it just doesn't make any sense. No. I, I just – I there has to be something else. Why would you DQ the guy? Yeah, yeah. I just, and I, I – true or not true, I actually – yeah, I read all Tyler's stuff, and I actually give him credit. Um, I've, I've equated Tyler to a lawyer before where he, he's been in hot water many times. He's very good at stacking facts in his favor. But he actually didn't do that, I feel, with his argument. He, he admitted some mistakes of the past. He, he, I think, was very rational with the argument he was putting out there. But, um, yeah, I, you, you have to think that now, Barcia, there's something else going on. Well, Barcia, and I don't think it's that he's representing the riders in this no, no, communication group. I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. JT, I don't believe that. Do you? I don't know. To me... I just think that I almost think it was a preemptive move to where, yep, nobody's going to do this again, so we're just going to DQ you. I, I don't. The inconsistency drives me nuts, and the emotionally charged decision drives me nuts. And this isn't the first time we've seen this. But um, what, what I don't like is uh, I'm not sure now. We know that in the frontier justice style, he owes Barsha one because Barsha literally broke his leg last year in Vegas. Yep. Um. I never understand. Now, I don't know if that's why Tyler did this. I don't know. Maybe it had nothing to do with that. But even if it did, what I never understand with any ruling on earth, be it legal or sports rules, why is it okay for someone to dirty you, but then you try to retaliate, and then you're the one that gets in trouble? I don't understand that. It always seems like your penalty is worse if you claim, yes, I was retaliating. Whoa. That, to me, should be like, well, that makes it less bad. I mean – 
uh, yes, they have history. Yes, Barsha did that to him. Uh, it, I don't think Barsha's move was as bad as what Bowers did to him. By the way, nice dismount for Barsha. That was wow. really smooth. It was. It yeah, was. very impressive. Um, yes. But, um, yeah, I don't – I mean, is Bowers going to wait until round seven of the 19 series in a heat race where he wants to get in the main event, earn points, and make money to extract that revenge from Monster Cup? Like, that seems odd. Yeah, that lends credence to what you're saying, that there was maybe something else that happened specifically in that race last well, night. I don't know, That we man. didn't see. I, I, I'm baffled that you would DQ a guy for that. It was dirty. I, I agree. It was dirty and not needed. And But, you, but where well, is the precedence for that? Like, I no, there's not none. There's it, nothing. Man. There's nothing. Right. Oldenburg, yeah. should be, Oldenburg should be disqualified. <laughs> Oldenburg would you give Troll? It's the black flag with Chad that was a few years ago, and there have been so many instances where I'm just like, wait, hold on, you're you're doing what? Why? Where? You know, show me, show me the precedence of where this decision would be made this quickly and without really, you know, multi- analysis from multiple people. And I just think that decisions like this, where, you know, for Bowers, he's he, now he makes no money, he's disqualified from the race. It looks really bad for him and his sponsors and everybody involved. That should be a decision. They should take their time and, you know, let him race. Because I don't think it's like Barsha is going to be like, oh, you know what? Screw tonight. I'm going to go kill Bowers now. Like, Barsha is being paid a lot of money by Yamaha to get results. I don't think that Tyler Bowers is at the forefront of his concerns going into a weekend. So, you know, finish the night. And then if you have time to review the tape, you have smart people in some sort of council that you, you know, of people that are, equipped to make a decision like this, and then if you feel it's necessary or appropriate, then you DQ them. I just don't think five minutes after the incident, when you don't have all the facts, you don't have, you haven't talked to everybody involved, you haven't looked at enough tape, and, and I'm assuming these things, but I know the time frame that this happened, in, and I'm, I know with the black flag, that was definitely the case. That, that happened in under a minute. I well, just have seen you... a pattern here where rash decisions are made based on emotion and, and frankly, anger, uh, that they shouldn't. That shouldn't be how these things are decided. I mean, I think give there them, should be cooler heads deciding this stuff. Give them last gate pick. Find them. There's a few things you can do. You can do some, some and, different things. And you can things. make the decision even after the race. Yes. Look at other sports. When was the last time you saw a rash decision made in something like this instantaneously? Even even in football, you know they they do a fine no, after they, the week after. They, no, they they'll kick you out of the game for you know intent to injure. And okay, stuff. targeting they, they, sure, but they they, they go they review the tape. They call New York. They talk to people in in an NFL office in New York. It's not just a rash decision where yep, there's no review policy and no process and nothing. You're just out of here. Like I, I'm not saying that's what happened in this case because we don't know every step of what happened this time, but. It sure feels like that. It sure feels like there's not enough due process being done in these decisions. That's that's why I came out of nowhere. Maybe there was something else that Tyler's not telling me, but I'm just I'm blown away. That you and and hopefully, hopefully, you know, John Gallagher and the FIM and the AMA and all the people involved will put out some sort of information telling us about the process of how they came to that decision. And if they did, if they did have – you know, whether it was Mike Pelletier or John Gallagher, and these people got together and maybe Dave Prater was involved, these people decided as collectively that this is the right decision. We sh- we're going to take a stand on this right here. No problem. I will apologize and say, yep, they, they did it the right way. But I've seen it happen too many times to the contrary where this is just 
a seat of the pants decision and it's really affecting people's, you know, pocketbook and racing career and, and lots of aspects. Uh, Barsha did do the quad in the LCQ. I interviewed him after the race and I said, uh, that's an odd time to pull that out. And he's like, yeah, I was just feeling it. Felt good. I'm like, okay. Um, Plessinger is going to go down and uh, ride with Justin a little bit here. And uh, he says he's feeling a lot better. Motor and suspension settings were different for him. Uh, he seems to have found a better setting, he said. And so he's looking forward to uh, racing with the new setting. He said it was really fast. The bike was really fast. And it pulled his arms out. And, uh, yeah, so um, he'll, he should be better from here on out. Um, Justin Hill, he got the start. He looked frisky all day, JT, and got a start in the main. Yeah, I still am not sold on the, the fitness yet. Um, he does look great. I mean, the kid is so talented. It's unbelievable. You watch him ride the bike, and you watch him put in, put in his qualifying laps, and he does things that other people simply can't do. The, the, way, he, the way he turns, the way he manuals obstacles. How about, um, uh, yeah, the split lane rhythm on the outside, yep, the little roller. How about that yep. roller? He was getting yeah, over that thing. Yeah, he, I don't know what he, he was doing. Things, right. Right. He does things people just can't do, yep. and that's awesome, and that will continue, continue to give him opportunities, but I still am not convinced that he has – there's any chance he can do 21 minutes to his potential. I, I haven't seen it yet, and until I do, I'm going to assume he can't. Qualified third, uh, started fifth or sixth, and, uh, and he ended up – he did fall, I think, got 13th. He did fall at one point. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No, no, no. That was, yep. I mean, he was – he was up there somewhat until he fell, yeah. but I mean that's that's part of the game too. Like he hasn't been able to put the whole thing together, and even in the great ride which we always reference, which was Tampa, he didn't put it together in that one either. It was mm-hmm. just incredible up until he fell. You yeah. know, it's just so we're still kind of we're waiting on waiting on Justin to show up in in its entirety, and I hope we see it because it would just add another guy to the mix that's capable of winning, which we all need. We each, uh, what else four fifty wise. With the Hill doing what he does, I mean, he's going against the other most talented Supercross riders in the world, but you can still see where he can get separation at times. And Webb coming from so far back to make it happen. We don't have a race tech rant on this show. You'll handle that on some topic, I'm sure, tomorrow night on your Pulp Show. Mm -hmm. But my rant is always we just go so nuts on Start, 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 start. Everybody's so close. They're so close. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can't separate. Oh, the field's too deep. I can't. And then there's, like, examples over and over where I'm like, are people just giving up? Like, there's plenty of – apparently, there is something you can do. Cooper Webb showed you or Justin Hill shows you. Like, to me, we break down things a little too simply. And I say we, meaning every single person that watches this sport – like, there's plenty of examples where there are things that are more important than the start or just as important as the start. But we often just sum it up to, yeah, it's the start, so what are you going to do? Well, wow. did the start matter for Webb? Was he able to find ways to make up time? Yes. Is Hill able to find ways to make up time against the other 21 best supercross riders in the world on certain sections of the track? It's just something that drives me nuts. That. <laughs> Starts are important. I'm not saying they're not. But it doesn't, it's not the be- beginning and end of all conversations. You can go faster. And if Webb wins out every week from here on out, he will win the oh. title. I know it's also. Um, wow, okay. Um, anything else, JT? Uh, Exciting LCQ. We had Barsha, A-Ray, and Chiz all in there. Yep. 
Gardner rode well to get in. Good job for Gardner. He did, yeah. Ronnie Stu. Uh, Reed, Reed, hmm? Yep. I was just going to say Reed had a little bit of a disappointing yeah. night. He didn't he didn't uh didn't have the the same fire he's he's had at times, but I think that's we knew that was going to happen. There would be good nights and bad nights and you know part of that's part of that's always been Chad. He struggles when he's not comfortable, but that, part of that's also he's about to be 37 years old too. Yeah. So Wow. Um, and he had, you know, the whole CBD CBD MD thing. He was involved in that and Maybe that uh, didn't, you know, didn't let him focus or whatever. He, maybe he's upset or whatever. So, pretty, uh, pretty incredible. If if he had a CBD MD logo inside the stadium, he was disqualified for the season. For the season? That's a for the season. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. That's harsh. a strong stance. That's not, that, that <laughs> goes, clearly. That goes, clearly, they are not messing around with this policy. That goes with Bowers DQ. Good God. Um. Yeah, it was a uh, interesting main event this is this tomac thing has just got me i don't know what to do anymore i was in security line with all of team kawasaki this morning minus the riders and i couldn't even bring myself to ask <laughs> couldn't do it i i know they don't have an answer so why even ask yeah yeah they don't know um all right uh fly racing racer x podcast presented by maxis and alpine stars flyracing.com please check out that brand new formula helmet zacco is wearing it out there, and uh, along with the other fly racing riders. Oh, Bogle, JT, bad night for Bogle. Got anything? Yeah, he uh, he lost the front end exiting the whoops in the final corner, and then clipped a tough block trying to save it, and then fell over. So yeah, wasn't a huge crash, but ruined his main event for sure. I had someone tell me like, I forget who it was. It was like a, like a, somebody would know or somebody who, who I like was like, dude, Alex Ray is fast. Like he's shorty, shorty. That's it. Yeah, yep. we're up in the press box with shorty. Shorty, shorty's very impressed with Alex Ray. He's like, dude, he's fast. Like you watch him, he looks just as good as everybody else. I'm like, wow, shorty. And then Villeman called him sketchy on Twitter, and he blocked DV. So now he's angry. But, <laughs> but um, yeah. So shorty said he that. is sketchy, but he, I, I attribute that to him trying so hard to go fast, which I'm, I'm okay with. Um, okay. Uh, thanks to Maxis, MXST tires as well, uh, and Alpine Stars, of course. Tech 10, the most advanced boot in motocross today. I went dirt bike riding today after I landed with my Tech 7s. It's fantastic. Uh, also, too, check out Race, Race Tech. Racetech.com. Uh, Chris Blos running Race Tech, making the 450 main event. Ben LeMay, Race Tech guy, making the 450 main event. Uh, Pulp 19 code to save at Racetech.com. And uh, thanks to those guys for coming on board. And uh, Fly Racing, Alpine Stars, and Maxis as well. 250 class. Well, I guess actually, uh, touch on blows. He uh, killed it for Pulp Fantasy people, JT. We all knew he would, and uh, good job for Blows putting it in the main event. One, one, one. Yeah, he he crashed. Uh, he would I think he would have done significantly better. He probably would have got max maximum points if he hadn't have crashed, but uh, still did pretty well. But what happened was oh the 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 bear and Barsha got him into the heat because he was out of qualifying. I believe. Yes. That yep. helped, yep. but I mean, he he would have qualified either way. He was yep. easily fast enough to get the main event. I don't think it would have mattered. Right. All right. Two uh, fifties from Dallas. Here we go. Uh, Forkner has been perfect. Wygant. Uh, every lap's led. Two wins. Two um, two heat race wins. Forkner's perfect. He is very scary. He pushes it very very hard. 
it's really odd. He's two different guys in practice and in the races. And practice was just as scary in Minneapolis, or as it was in Minneapolis here in Arlington, and then crashed again, and he's been lucky already. JT, you alluded to that during our fly show that we did in the afternoon. You can only get lucky so many times. But in the races, he was solid last week, and he's pretty solid this time. And further, he even said after the race he realized that Sexton and Smith at certain points were going faster than him. They were, yep. And he was ready to make the decision of, okay, uh, I can try to ride over my head, or maybe maybe this is just what I got. Like, he was even considering, maybe I just won't win. Like, I'm not going to kill myself oh, to I, hold these dudes, like, to try to go faster. I, and I, then, I would have liked to have seen that. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> well, yeah, and they, I mean, it was still, I think, the closest Sexton got was 1.7. So it wasn't even, a battle hadn't even begun, let alone yeah. he's going to pass me. But just the fact that he's even thinking, don't kill yourself because the pit board's saying that he's closing. And by the way, they crashed, not him. Uh, so in the races, he's actually been the more solid guy. This is so weird. It's yeah. like when he, when you tell him he's got to do one lap really fast, that's when stuff starts going sideways. Did you guys see the practice thing with Jordan Smith that almost weeded both guys yeah. up badly? Oh, yep. Jordan crossrode yep. came up. Austin was in the air going for the triple and basically jumped over uh, Smith's head and landed, kept going. It was so scary. Holy smokes, both guys could have been really hurt. Yeah, um, it, was, it was close. But uh, uh, Smith was catching him, and Sexton was catching him. But Sexton stalled, and Smith crashed, JT, and that's, that's all she wrote, man. They were they were riding well. They were catching Austin, and it would have been really interesting, but they made mistakes. Yeah, I give I give Austin a lot of credit because he's done everything right in the main event. He's made the right decisions. He's gotten good starts. Um the heat race is that same story. Uh, so I give him all the credit in the world. I just wonder in these time qualifying sessions if it's more of just like an, kind of an ego thing between all of them. They're, they just want to be the fastest guy because it's cool to do that, and they want that, you know, they wanted to be the fastest guy to where he's pushing so far past his limit. But he knows if he falls, no big deal. Like, it's not a race, so I'll just get up and go on my way. You know, hopefully that doesn't turn into a situation where he hurts himself. But then in the race, he's not making any of those mistakes. I mean, he's not sketchy at all. He's not even close to crashing, really, that I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I wonder if it's just two completely different approaches to how he's going to go about it. You know, he's like, ah, okay, time qualifying. I'm going to fully send this thing. I'm going to I'm going to take chances in this thing because I want to be the fastest guy. But then in the race, it's like, eh, no, uh, this is a, it's a different, uh, you know, kind of a different way of riding, and I'm not going to just – let myself, you know, take a chance of crashing here. So whether it's intentional or not, I, I can't answer it. I'm just posing that, but he's executing them perfectly oh. as far as the races go. I was impressed with Sexton and Smith catching him because I've always said, and I believe that Faulkner has the most raw speed out of all these guys. And Jordan's older already, you know what I mean, as far as laying it out there. But uh, both the guys but, showed me something. So. But do you, do you maybe also think that Faulkner maybe knew where the limit was? You know, yeah. there's – a lot of times for these guys, there's a limit to how fast you can go in certain sections. And, yeah, you can go past that limit, which Stu was capable of, but it's going to bite you eventually in most cases. So, yeah, like we said, Sporkner's probably like, I can probably go faster than this, but there's a really big chance I'm going to crash. Maybe those guys were just a little bit past that line of, of traction and everything else. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the section after you jump across this first turn start, and then you triple – 
They all said it was easier in the main event. They fixed it. The, the dozers went out there, but that thing was violent. You triple in, and then you just go up, triple again right away and G out. And I was waiting for someone to endo over that, and that's where that's where the Forkner Smith thing almost happened. But uh, in the main event, they said it was better. So, um, yeah, it, it, it seemed yeah, transition like, transition wasn't good at all. Yeah, no, uh, Weege, where are we at with Marty? Do we panic button or was this okay? Uh, it was okay. That's an excellent. <laughs> that's an excellent word. Um, it's not panic button. You can't say panic button after nope. he was, you know, almost around the flirting with the podium. But it is still not Marty. It's not Marty. It's still, no, no, it's still not. Um, it was better than last week, but it's 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 not the same Marty. What's what's up with Marty, JT? Uh, he was better. You know, I I. We've, we're getting conflicting reports on bike issues at Minneapolis, uh, but he was certainly back in the realm of what we expect from him. I mean, he was at the top of the board for a while in qualifying practice, which we fully expect. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a panic button situation. But if you know, if he wants to get in the mix, he's going to have to but bring a little bit, a little bit more than that. He was there in the early laps in the main event, and they pulled away. That pack pulled yeah, away did. from him. I mean, he, you know, so yeah, he's a touch off for that's sure. But it's not Marty compared to compared to Minneapolis. I yeah, mean, it was a, it was, it was okay. Like I'm, yeah. right. I'm nowhere near the panic button where Minneapolis was just. Right. It was bad, really um, bad. Justin Cooper with another podium. Good job for Cooper. I mean, again, Sexton and Smith were riding probably a bit, bit, bit better, uh, but he was there and took advantage of it. Nice job for Cooper. Oldenburg, that was his first ever heat race win. Why, again, I, I interviewed him after the race. I was. Yeah. Wow. So Oldenburg wins a heat race and then gets a good start and was disappointed in himself for going backwards, and he kind of did early on for sure. Amart, well, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. We at Troll Train Nation – Understand these things. We're not that upset. I mean, the Oldenburg's pass was dirty, but uh, kind of did it to Marty the week before. So you know, it's one of those things. We'll we'll pack up. We'll take our eighth. We'll move on, and uh, and we'll we'll go on to the Triple Crown. Uh, I, before I interviewed Oldenburg, before I even hit record, as I walked up to him, he's like, "I gotta apologize, bro, for taking out Troll." <laughs> like <laughs> these these guys are apologizing to me. It's like yeah, I don't really care. Like I you don't have to apologize to me. Go, you know, Alex and him did have words, and I guess they worked it out. I mean, Alex is like, hey, you know, Mitchell isn't that kind of rider, but I thought it was funny that Oldenburg was like, hey man, I got to apologize for taking out troll. <laughs> like, what am I going to beat you up, Mitchell? <laughs> so, well, it was a DQ level uh, offense. It really was. It really was. It was. Um, yeah, they were exactly the same takeout. Like that's that's the biggest problem of all of it, right? Right. Um. <laughs> JT, do you want to weigh in on Blake Wharton or move along? I, I mean, his bike blew up, right? Oh, did it? Yeah, that's what I heard. He, he oh. pulled off because it was his bike was seizing. So okay. I thought he had problems yeah, before that. Yes, that is true. But I now I want to look at his time. Uh, some some people. Some he people. was he was killing it before then. I think he was eight when yeah. that happened. Yeah, he was yes. riding well. Uh, Marshall Welton was a lot better than Minneapolis, so maybe it was just like jitters, right? Like first Supercross <laughs> in a while. So, uh, Mel- Welton was better. John Short was, John Short switched from a Yamaha to a Honda, I guess, in the middle of the week. So John yeah. Short got fifteenth. Good job for him. Osby had a pretty good one in practice. Did you guys see it? Uh, I saw him no. on the ground. Yeah, it was a pretty good one. Uh, he got lucky, so he was probably not feeling it. Um, a Rod was back. Where did A Rod go uh, from Minneapolis? Why wasn't A Rod in Minneapolis, JT? Uh, I don't know. He's. Uh, I think he's. He doesn't have the most stable program ever. So I'm not right. sure. Maybe it was just too far or didn't right. want to go to negative 10. I don't know if you're 
if you're from South America, I'm not sure if you're even capable of sustaining minus 10 temperatures. Yeah, like you might die. Right. Right. Um, Covington, what do you what do? You do? Oh, I, I practice. Do you maybe sit him? For real, do you maybe sit him? No. That was worse than Tomac. Wow. Well, worse. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'd even put that in the same. Dude, he went from whole shot to eighth in the LCQ without crashing. He got straight up passed by seven privateers. Straight up. It's not good. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like, I th- last I thought, week I th- wasn't this bad. I thought he was lucky to make the main last week. Just guys were falling, and he was he 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 was keeping his head on straight. Yeah, um, yeah. I, re- I really thought he would be better this weekend. I mean, obviously better than he was, but better than even last weekend. I thought he would calm down and and be less nervous. But the whoops, it was uh, it was a step backwards. Whoops were easy. Guys are just flying through those things. So yep. you know that was definitely a problem for him in Minneapolis. But I think that really hurt him too. I, I think he even if they're easy, I don't think he's confident to go really fast through easy ones and when everybody could go really fast through them he it almost like hurt him more like in minneapolis they were really difficult so everybody was really slow in them and he was slow too but it did, he didn't stand out as much these ones everyone he, because they were easy the lesser guys could go really fast and he was unable to do that mm-hmm. so i think it it was it kind of worked backwards almost cunningham he's just gonna cunningham kyle's gonna kyle um, had to go to the LCQ. Next thing you know, he's 10th. Yeah, Last he was good in the LCQ. That yeah. was a really good ride in the LCQ. Last week he was 7th, I think, in the main or 8th. So yeah. you're just like, oh, look at that, Kyle Cunningham. Yeah, you wish that's, – that's a scenario for me when I, when I wish the sport was bigger in ways when you have the two Kyles, Cunningham and Chiz, Chiz going to Chiz, Cunningham going to Cunningham. If they were in any other larger sport – you know, they would be like solid dude off the bench that you can rely on and just gets his couple of million dollar checks and just keeps cashing, mm-hmm. cashing them checks, you know. But in this sport, it means you're a bubble guy that can barely get a ride. And I don't even know how much money they even make or if they're making any money at all. You know, it's too bad that that skill that they have of just making stuff happen no matter what. In this sport, there's just not enough money for that to be rewarded like just, it is in, in other sports. I just like, like LaCurcio and Cunningham, like, just stop it. Go to 450s. The money is so much better. You don't even got to make the main to make it more, way more money. Like, what are these guys doing? I guess Cunningham's got a bit of a ride. I don't know if LaCurcio. LaCurcio's doing Legends and Heroes, I think. Is he? Yeah, he is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so they might they have just the, uh, had someone support them. Yeah. They did up the 250 money a little bit, which is nice. But I don't know, uh, no, man. They, now they don't have two strokes. You know, the purse has gone down, according to <laughs> one uh, media outlet. <laughs> How do you get a ride on Legends and Heroes? Like, they they helped out um, Gannon Audette for a couple of yep. years. And now they're Curcio. Like, what's the deal? Do you have to pitch your bike along with the 1979 Yamahas and stuff? Like, do you, do you just have to pit there and, like, do the whole deal? Like, you just got to use old tools and everything. You just got to – you got a kidney – you got to wear a kidney belt, you know, all this stuff. Like, what, what – Got to use drum brakes. Yeah, what's the deal? Does anybody know? I don't. Dan would know. Dan, Dan knows everything about LaCrucio. <laughs> Dan, Dan Truman loves LaCrucio. Um All right. Uh, what else? Anything else 250-wise? So – 
Yeah, Triple Crown this weekend. That'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah and uh, uh, what is the track going to be like? I mean, they were really, when they told us all about we're not using Lime for the moment, they were like, we think we're fine here, and we think we're fine in Dallas, but, oh, Detroit's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that. They got to use it. They got to use it, I think. Uh, <laughs> that's your suggestion? Yeah, dude. I mean, they're not going to throw it on standing water, you know? Like, yeah. So. Yeah, that's the really unfortunate there, thing so. here. Oh, go ahead, JT. No, I was just going to say they've been getting a lot of snow up there. I, so. I cannot believe how much you're on the weather. JT, you are on the weather. Like, always. You, Every race. Do you check the weather a lot, like, in your life? Yeah, why not? Do you really? Okay, yeah. I, it fascinates me. I never look at the weather. Well, I only looked at the weather today because I wanted to see how much moisture the dirt was going to get in the next few days before they loaded it into the stadium. Am I right, right, Wygant? Like, he is on the weather. Uh, I'm aware. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you want a weather forecast for anywhere we're going, uh, JT will have it the Sunday, the Monday. He'll know what's going on <laughs> all the time. It's a very weird deal. I don't understand. but uh, JT, I already know the answer to this, but are you a morning person? Uh, yes. Well, yes. I found those things go hand in hand. I find they go hand in hand. Morning people really are weather people, and vice versa. Really? Okay. I'm not, yeah. I'm not that much of a I'm not that much of a morning person as I, for my occupation, and yeah, I have a lot of things to get done. So yeah, I get up early. I don't ever check the weather. Like ever. you live in Vegas, that's why it's hot and sunny. I or guess. Just repeat. I guess. I don't know, man. I can't. Yeah. Well, you know what? Honestly, you know where this all started from, Frank. And, and I, I bet you if you talk to a lot of riders, they would be the same because all of our – the ability to ride is all around the weather. So if the weather – you have to figure if it's going to rain. Okay, we got to ride early tomorrow because there's a storm coming in or we got to ride – you know, there's going to be rain Wednesday, Thursday, so we got to get our motos done Monday, Tuesday. You know, so that's really where the genesis of it was is you had to plan your riding around the weather, well, you know, all week. So I should, I we were – Timmy, Timmy was the same way. Timmy I should have all over it. I should have done that today because I went out and it was got way colder than I thought, and it was way windier than I thought, and I hated it. I had a terrible time riding my dirt bike. I should have checked the weather. Yeah. I should have checked the weather. <laughs> you should ask Timmy. Do a little study and ask Timmy. I bet you he's on top of it too. Dude, because we we had to figure. We had to know all the time. He's not on top of anything. Literally anything other than <laughs> Beckett and cheeseburgers. Like I don't. That's know. true. He does a great job with that, though. Could he name 10 250 Supercross riders right now? Between both coasts, yes. Okay. We need to do that again. Uh, that was great. Steve, what, what was it that bailed him out to get 9 and 10? He, he, he was, was struggling stuck, He was stuck on 8. Could not get more than 8. This is when he was racing, Factor Yamaha. And he threw out the Sewell brothers for 10. <laughs> <laughs> the Sewell brothers got him to 10, and he was fist his, pumped his fist and, and was stoked. You're like, I don't know, bro. I don't know if that really counts, but it kind of does. So good job. The Sewell brothers. Um, all right. Anything else? Detroit this weekend? Um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to say. This, this could be it. This could be it. It's over. And this is huge for Tomac, and this is huge. This is a huge race. Yeah, what's dangerous is Webb's starts have been so good. Um, there's good odds that he's 
going to get good starts, and it's going to make them that much harder to deal with. It's a little different with the Triple Crown because you're probably not going to get three good ones. But, like, they got the gift. They got the what appears to be now a rare opportunity when he doesn't get a good start. Um, you know, if he pulls two out of three hole shots here like he did pretty much at uh, the last Triple Crown, that's just making it that much harder to, to show the dude what's up and spin the momentum around and all Dude, that. This is a big weekend. I know I've said I don't, this. I'm not, as, I'm not as sold as you. I think it's important, but I'm not like, this is do or die at Detroit. If Webb wins again, that's it. Stamp it. It's done. If That would be big, yeah. If he won again, yeah, I yeah. it would and be if Tomax, And if Tomac struggles again, it's over. Like, Well, I think you know Kenny and Marv are still very much in this thing, but they've, I think collectively – and none of these guys are going to – it's not like they're going to work together or anything. They're not going to have a Tuesday night, you know, uh, right. meeting about this. But collectively, they've got to stop this. They've got to stop this web momentum if they want to – if they if any of them want to win this, they need to – they got to shut this down. There there was a man on one of these podcasts that uh, at one time called Cooper Webb's title after High Point, I believe, after like four rounds of the outdoors. Yeah, but you claim everything. You can't just pick and choose. You you make the most outlandish claims, and if you get no, one right, that's, you that, is go. that is not true. <laughs> that is not true. It's not true. But I, I mean, yeah, I just, God, that was good, and and great job for Cooper Webb, and I wonder how things are at the Baker's Factory. I wonder. We could ask Zacho, but we got nothing out of him. Nothing. So. That's a terrible position that you consistently put Zacho in. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware. Yes, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You text him as a buddy, and then working in the media, you ask him for the most insider gossip. Yep. Like within closed door meeting locker yep. room. Well, What's now, going on down there? Well, now he's an employee of Pulpamex, so you know. Oh, I see. So Good now, move. Yep. Um, Good move. No, I just wonder. That's the interesting dynamic again. Coop keeps saying, "Like, hey, man, I, I just." You know, he's been very humble this whole thing, and he's been very uh, even keel, and I've been impressed with the way he's been handling this. Do I, do I sound like a Cooper Webb super fan? I know, but I'm just like, Jesus. So, do you think RV? Yeah, you know, he's, he's had many opportunities to be the old Cooper Webb here, and uh, especially yeah. the way of all people that he keeps getting here is, is Roxon. Well, he, did, know, he did do the pistol. He did do the pistol, but it could be interpreted many ways. I mean, dude, he was asked five times in the press conference to basically elaborate on that, and he would not go there. Right. And I don't think 2016 Cooper Webb would have needed to be even asked. He would have said it himself. Um, I just, and I uh, talked to him even right before the night show um, for a magazine story I'm working on, and he's like, I'm not puffing my chest out. He's like, I still feel like I'm not the guy. I haven't arrived. And he's like, I just want to win one race. I'm like, well, you won way more than one race, so – no? And he's like, nope. It's getting harder and harder, I'm sure, to be humble, but he's yeah. really riding that. Uh, JT, what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say that Steve is Steve is so victim of the moment with these things. It's, you know, Eli Tomac can never lose a race ever again, and then now Cooper Webb will be unstoppable and this championship's over. He just uh, came from seventh and worked, you know, just p- drop Marv, drop Baggett. He's won his fourth race out of seven races. Like, what else do you want from the guy? No, I, I just like that you're you go full fanboy. You get on these emotional, oh. emotional uh, rants. I uh, I just opened Vital MX and it says Eli Choke Mac. <laughs> 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 not not funny, but funny, you know. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> you think going to be his butt patch this weekend? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It actually is funny. Like, that's making me laugh. No, I know. That's what I mean. It's like, so stupid. But, yeah, you just got to laugh at it. It's like a dig dug. It's, a, it's a, like a dig dug. It's the same thing. <laughs> hey, oh. you didn't bring it up last week. What? We saw Dig Dug without a helmet on in the elevator I, last week. I didn't talk about it? Oh. Not on this pod. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. The Dig Dug was in the elevator, helmet off, looking at his phone like he looked normal. He's a younger dude. I'm like, Dig Dug, and he's just like looking at me, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. I'm like, you're allowed to take your helmet off? He's like, yeah. <laughs> He's like a stormtrooper with his helmet off. Like he was, it was very awkward. Yeah, and he, it was almost like he got caught, and he's not supposed to be seen without it. And he didn't want to say anything. Yeah, it was like he was like a mute. Yeah, when I said like, "Are you allowed to take it off?" He was just kind of like, "Yeah, I, I don't know." Saw a dig dug though, in the in the, yep. in, the in the in the in the uh, wild. So, all right, uh, new dirt for Dallas too. It got really, it was really soft and. It, actually got pretty decent by the main events, everybody said. I thought it would break down more. We were talking on our fly show, JT, about it being like this torture test for 20 minutes plus one, but kind of rutted and then hardened up. Stayed okay. Yeah, I think the the comment I heard more than anything was the the base, like in, in inside the ruts was really slippery. That was what I heard more than anything. More than the ruts was how icy it was on the, on the base of the track. Mm. All right. Um, anything else, boys? Dallas? It's in the books. We're on to Detroit. By the way, can uh, we? Detroit should be, should be good. Can we, are you going? Why again? Still up in the air. <laughs> Why hotel? It's be a very expensive plane ticket if I buy one now. Hotel, but, uh, hotel rooms are, are are high, sky high. Well, it's more um, the Morgantown crew usually goes to Indy and Detroit, and it's GNCC opener. So I was planning on um, not going. But um, J- it's not J- quite the way it used to be J- JT, at the office. We've, we've lost some people that used to go to races and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, there might not be any volunteers. I might have to go. Uh, JT, doesn't Weech have somebody to stay with there? Hey, I think so. Yeah, he wouldn't need a hotel. Yeah, you don't even need a hotel. Dialed in. <laughs> Worked out well. Um. All right, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, by the way, like the weather's going to be god awful. Speaking of the weather, it's going to be god awful this weekend, I'm sure. And that that means Dallas was not Dallas was cold and rainy. Minneapolis was Minneapolis, San Diego it poured. These poor guys on the teams, man. Let's give them a break. Like seriously, they got to be it's it's got to be gnarly. Just you know, these guys are working outside, they're trying to adapt to the racing and do everything, man. I, yeah, I feel for these guys, so yeah, and also they just found out that Atlanta is going to be outdoor pits in the green space yep. where the Georgia Dome used to be. Yeah, Home Depot, uh, Home Depot area. It's, that's not yeah, Telgate area or whatever, man. They're just backyards. Oh, it's keep coming. Yeah, yep. Why? Why is that? Is that bad? I don't. I don't get it. I wasn't there. So why well, is that bad? It could be. It could be really cold there. It oh. could be really nice too. Oh, okay. But it, we're leaving yeah. it up to chance with Atlanta. Right. Right. I mean, traditionally, folks, Atlanta has had indoor pits for decades. So. There was no problem with weather. Atlanta in February, I've seen probably more cold days than warm. I mean, it's possible it's okay, but it's still February there, basically. It could very well be another 40-degree day. There'll be Chick-fil-A everywhere. Chick-fil-A everywhere and and security wanding people everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, Could be the the last Atlanta also. What? Throw that out there. Yeah, could be the last Atlanta. Why? Very expensive. New stadium. Really? Incredibly expensive. Holy smokes. But – 
But the but the owner, uh, one thing that I like is the owner made all the concessions really cheap, so he's getting you on the rent, is what he's doing. Yeah, he just rolled it into <laughs> rolled it into renting the stadium. Car. Yeah, yeah, really, right. All right, uh, R- Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars. Uh, Jason Thomas, Jason Wygant. Anything else? Nope. nope. All right, thanks, boys. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, there's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jump farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days. They're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that air I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts.